This is the Ben Ryan Podcast. For today's show, it's the second part of the chat I had with Olympic silver medalist and England and Team Great Britain Rugby Sevens captain at both the Rio and Tokyo Olympic Games, Tom Mitchell. In this second part, we discuss building values from day one, putting time into relationships, confidence and the lack of it, and life after professional sport. But I started by asking Tom about how do you convince an athlete that filling in a questionnaire or turning up on time for a meeting is eventually going to help you win the game or win the tournament? That is such a good question because that is the thing that without fail, I will grapple with every season. And because of the nature of teams, you have a turnover of players. So it's not like you you can nail it with a group and then that carries on forever and always. You have to constantly address it. One thing I'll, I'll tease out of your question was that you said, connecting up with with winning and I do think that's a really important part of it is them understanding the performance benefits of of doing these things but I think probably before that comes for for at least a group of the players has to be an understanding of how those behaviors connect up with the values of, of the group so performance aside you know how do we want to live as people and as particularly as people you know with a shared vision here and that is, that's a really difficult thing. I think a lot of that comes from how robust is your process of, of setting up your values and building that from day one. And just to give, again, the listener an idea of what you're explaining, the values that have been agreed, however you've come, come to agree those, mm. they've been agreed because you feel they're important towards the team, the organisation that have got those values being at their best, being their best consistently, right? Take away the winning or losing, but it's it's making them perform as well as they can. Yeah, and uh, well, those values could be many and far-reaching. I mean, it might be something as simple as we want to be our best selves. It might be, you know, say you have a value of respect. So then, how that means you put your plate away after lunch so that no one else has to clear up for you because you got respect. Would you pick someone up on that? So if I was to to role play I played um, Nelly the Elephant in primary school Strand on the Green primary school that was my biggest role in the uh, <laughs> walking the boards you had should mom, take had, up Amdram again maybe, maybe yeah I had my, my mum's uh, stockings grey stockings as my trunk <laughs> um, yeah I remember it very well but, but if we do a bit of role play here and I'm one of the players you're the captain we're sitting down after training and you know I just walk off and leave my, my half finished plate of food and off I go you're going to pick me up on it and what sort of conversation you're going to have with me yeah well the best things is when it's not necessarily me picking it up obviously because sometimes if if you're always relying on the leaders the you know the established leaders of the group to do it then you've probably got a bit more work to do yeah um two things with this I'll say one the short answer is, is yes you have to address that because someone's agreed to a certain way of living and your intention and I don't really like the the whole concept I don't have a problem with it I've left my plate. I've yeah. just come on loan from a, a top club where we always leave our plates there because there's someone to clear them up. Yeah. And we're a really good club. Like, we've won trophies. So this is my thing. I don't always like the concept of holding someone to account because that suggests a bit of an authoritarian, you know, this is the way we do things, so get with it or sort of thing. Yeah. Whereas that, I think that, that's a bit of a risky way of going about it. I think what what is required in that is you, you are obviously not drawing a connection between this and a our values and b why like the performance reasons why we do this don't think it's going to make me better i'm not gonna i'm not gonna score more goals by putting my plate away 
So, so our work then needs to be one that's a bit deeper in terms of conversations we need to have. Because equally, if you don't respect that I think this is important, what else about you know, me don't you respect? So that there, is a, there is a human uh, relationship thing at stake as well here. But, but this is, I mean, this happens like all the time. What I've noticed is it's much easier to deal with these scenarios if you go in without judgment, because I've also dived into some of these, you know, like it's the easy thing for me to do. And the thing that I probably would have thought was the right thing to do five or six years ago would be like, Oi, Ben, you've forgotten your plate, clear it up now. And I would have just told you thinking, I've got to be direct here because he's fallen short of his I'm still in my role play mood. Yeah, yeah, this is good. I, I, I'd say, well, 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 what's, well you, you can clear it up, can't you? you and then I would have time. met that with more... Got enough would, time to tell me what to do. You can enough time to clear it up. I would have been very uncomfortable and then I would have thought that the best thing to do was to meet that with more force and just shout louder, yeah. all the while building up a sweat and kind of feeling that this was not necessarily getting us anywhere. Because there is also the scenario where I say, Ben, can you, uh, you've forgotten your plate, mate. And you say, oh, sorry and you come back and you, you'd literally forgotten to do it. And I don't know that that's not the case. So I'm not going to come at you with judgment in that moment. I'm equally not going to come at you with judgment if you say, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't believe in that because you've got your reasons for being in that space. Those reasons might not be compatible with us and the team, which means we need to address it. But I'm going to meet you where you're at right now, which is all I can do and, and go from there. Will you, would sense. you pick, pick he or she up at a later point? Because, you know, whatever your goal is, get promoted at the end of the season, win a title, win a tournament. It's not going to be that final game and, a, and someone, you know, missing a penalty or winning a penalty that's going to... It's not going to be because of something you do in that moment. It's something, you know, it's clearing that plate six months earlier. It is not filling in that test. But for lots of people, they do not get that connection. Mm. I do think the right way to live is is your phrase which is about um the way we do well, i don't know if it is your phrase but i've, I've given it to you now so okay. take it yeah about the way you do some things is the way you do everything something like that you know the way so the way you conduct yourself by it's, the it's, way you deal with the thing, dishes yeah it's the things you do when no one's watching it, and so i do think that's the thing i i kind of want to caveat this conversation though with another side of it which is actually how much energy are you putting into things that might not be that significant? So the significance of us having a conversation about um, you putting your plate away is big because we're actually going to understand where we are, where our values meet or where at the moment your values don't connect up with the ones we've agreed as a team. So that becomes very significant. But what if your behaviours don't match your values? So, for example, I've been in teams before where we've been very strict on like what kit we're wearing and you're supposed to wear the right kit at all times. But actually, we sort of never really worked out at the start of the year why that was important for us. We just did it because we thought that was some vague idea of professionalism or because other teams are doing it or because we got given all this kit so we might as well wear it or whatever it was. But I kind of realised midway through the season, I was like, actually, is it important for us to wear the same kit? And if we, the problem is we never started with that uh, robust foundation about you know, values and the related behaviours that, yeah. that I spoke about. For me, if you want a long-lasting culture that's consistent and people know exactly where, how they can behave and why, and why it's important to win, then you're going to get sustained success. No doubt about it. I've seen teams that are pretty dysfunctional with head coaches and leaders that don't find any of this of any value and they can have success in the short term. They can even have it in the medium term. 
but I would argue that they're never really getting the best out of their group and whatever they're achieving they could achieve more and the consequences are that long term it's not sustainable. And also referring to some of your previous conversations on other episodes we're talking about success aren't we in a sort of more of a professional traditional professional sport about winning things but actually what other measures of success might you have that you're falling short of if you're not addressing the things we're talking about now? Yeah, Owen Eastwood in one of the pods talked about an ex-coach that he said, what you know, I asked him what, what's his definition of success and legacy. And he said, you know, when he had finished coaching 20 years later, if he sees a player that he used to coach, that that player doesn't cross the road to avoid him, he, he gives him a hug. And that for him is a longer lasting legacy, as is for some coaches. Now, I was speaking to a young coach that's um, got a professional job now in, in football and one of his first games, his PE teacher had come to the game specifically to watch him and how proud he was of what he'd achieved. Like, that's massive, isn't it? Like, and that, that, you know, that young coach is like, this guy's been an inspiration to me. And I left his classroom 15 years ago and his teams and his pitches, but he hasn't forgot, he, you know, that connection's not finished. Mm. It's very powerful. And yeah. that goes back into Kath Bishop's long win stuff, like... There's a big argument, you know. You get someone across the line to get an Olympic gold medal, but that person perhaps doesn't improve as a person. As a per- Yet somebody else that's had a long relationship with their coach, they haven't necessarily gotten any podiums, but they're post-career. They've learned so many lessons about being a good human being, about where, who they are as a person, that it's set them up for the next period of their life. Yeah, and bringing it back to what we started talking about at the start of the conversation, for me, I kind of know that actually coming forth in Tokyo has probably given me a lot more as a growth opportunity, as a life experience than if we'd got a bronze medal and we'd won that last game. Medals can cover up for all sorts of inadequacies. And just in terms of, yes, it has challenged me in a different way, but that's the point. It's challenged me in a way that I wouldn't have engaged with had we probably won a bronze. I mean, it wasn't ultimately what we were there for, but it would have softened the disappointment to a point where I would have been able to move on and not really engage with a lot of the thoughts I'm engaging with now. And it's interesting though, as a coach, so obviously I'm kind of coming at this as a, as a player, I've never, never really coached, uh, I've certainly never done it at the top level like you have. I've, always, or I've often sensed from head coaches particularly, and maybe this is just at a professional level, I don't know, but I suspect it permeates all the way down, is there's this sense that you need to maintain a level of distance from the players now I don't know I don't know genuinely open question because I as someone who wants to be guided by love surely to be loved by your playing group is a good thing because then you're likely to walk down the street and give your coach a hug in 10 years time whatever but I also understand that that must to try and build that relationship may also make life difficult during the process so I'm thinking about things like selection or obviously if you're not giving someone a contract for the next season stuff like that it's going to really challenge your ability to build a a deep relationship potentially I don't know yeah it's it's a great question and it's one that I think a lot of coaches wrestle with on two fronts one you know that that getting that distance right between being a friend but being a leader and two between how important is it to get to know the people that you're working with some will say not at all. Others will say it's absolutely integral to understand not only them, but their friends, their family, their background, their culture. And I think 
If I was to sum it up, I, th- I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with saying that you love the players that you, you, you coach. And if I'm getting delivered bad news or good news, I'd rather have it coming from someone that genuinely loves mm. me than somebody that's been a bit more surgical about yeah. the relationship and clinical about it. It's making sure, I would say, the one thing that I would add into that is don't protect someone from the consequences of their actions. And as a young coach, I did that on numerous occasions because I wanted to be loved. So, you know, somebody makes a stupid error or makes a mistake where normally you should have picked them up on it. Well, I don't know what it'd be, getting, you know, rather than go out for a beer after tournament, it's, you know, 15 beers and rolling in at six in the morning with a traffic cone on your head and <laughs> accompanied by the local Sounds constabulary. Oh. You know, there, there's... Just for reference, that, well, that's not a real example, is it? Not a real example. I think we've been pretty close to it. Um, but I think if you protect someone from the consequences of their actions, you are doing them a disservice. It's misplaced benevolence. And so that's how I would have in brackets, yeah, I think it's really important to get to know people, get to the point where they re- you really, conversations, they really feel that you care about them and about who they are. Mm. But... They've also got to understand that as someone that wants to make you your best version, I'm not going to protect you from a time when you might do something that we've all agreed is wrong. Yeah. That's how I would sum it up. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of it seems to be in the professional environment is how you're willing to allocate time as a, as a coach or as a leader because there's, it becomes a very, even though objectively you have a lot of time that you are able to manage you know, as, a, as a professional team. But when you're in it, it feels like quite a high spin, doesn't it? It doesn't feel like you've got much space. Uh, And I think you've got to be pretty, uh, yeah, courageous, I guess, as a leader to carve out the time to build those relationships. Even if that is, you know, it means sacrificing time on the pitch or time in the gym or, or whatever it might be. And, I, you know, recent experience, actually, I think that's something we did really well with this recent GB programme. And I think Rocky and, and Hates were very, Charlie Hater were very, very brave and very staunchly wanted to put time into building those relationships and recognising the importance of that, not just because the rugby would benefit and the team would be stronger for it, but because that's the way, that's what's rewarding about sport, like especially team sport. That's why we do it to a large degree. You've also got a tattoo now. I have. You've got, you've got the Olympic rings. I have, yeah. I owed that to myself because when, when I was younger and you have these conversations, don't you, about, oh, do you think you get a tattoo when you're older and you start designing them on the back of your folder, like what tattoo you'll get? And I sort of decided to myself back then, oh, the only time I'd ever definitely get one would be if I went to the Olympics because I'd definitely get the rings tattooed. Obviously, when I was 14, 15, never thinking that that was going to be a scenario that would... Did you visualise that? Do you visualise that sort of stuff? As, as uh, I never connected it up. Like, and I've reflected recently on some of the things that I've pursued in my life that um, that have been rewarding and where that came from as a, as a young person. Because I had a really good chat with a, um, a guy who was in the, in the Red Arrows and he talked about when he was literally five years old, like he said, I want to be a fighter pilot. And then he went and did it. And I never had that clarity of connecting it up but I um you know it's things like I do remember watching the Olympics the Sydney Olympics and thinking what an amazing thing that would be to be an Olympian so like that was in there was like that sort of fire was in me somewhere I suppose you're thinking well how did, how do I do that because 
rugby's not in the Olympics. Well, that was it. So that I never. Was what, that was. That, I'm, I'm that was it. Assuming that was your main sport growing up. You yeah. Didn't have any other hidden talents that? Well, I when I was young, I played all sports. I know on some of your previous pods you talked about the dangers of specialisation, and, yeah. and I'm a massive believer that you know, young people should pursue any sport that they a enjoy. Number one but and not worry about specialising because you benefit. I benefit, my rugby has definitely benefited from the fact I played loads of football when I was younger, the fact that I played basketball, you know, the fact, the fact I did judo when I, like all these things have definitely helped me in ways that I would never have imagined. So yeah, rugby was my main sport though and I had a little England rugby badge that I pinned onto my curtains which was just above me when I went to sleep and I didn't do that thinking, I never, I never really believed that I was going to be a professional rugby player but I really wanted to. Now, I never had that type of sort of self-confidence but you were selected for obviously school teams and county teams when you were younger well not really I was kind of a a bit of a late bloomer I got into the county like wider squad as a sort of 14 year old but I was quite I was very small didn't really develop as you know it's like when you're 14 you've got some guys that have got beards and a massive and then I was on the other end of the spectrum like very skinny small guy um we're mixing it with the um with the state school boys as well and me being very conscious that I was coming from a posh public school I just didn't feel comfortable in that environment at all so I didn't say anything every training session I was dead silent so I never got picked for the for the A team um, the shirt was about three sizes too big like there's all this stuff that mm. just made me hate the county experience um, and I yeah so I never had any you know you hear about people when you're growing up 15 16 or oh, so and so's in England 16s and oh they're in the academy at Quinns and I was never involved in any of that and even at uni, to be honest, like my first year of uni, I played in the freshers team and played in the in the in the twos at Bristol Uni. I played in the second team until the end of the year. Um, that was the moment that Bob Reeves, who you know, uh, would yeah. you class him as a mentor for you, or he's he's been he has been influential in influential, my career. Yeah. I think um, I know he chewed your ear off in the early days. <laughs> he did. He did. I mean, like I think as coach, we go back to a word you used earlier about leaders wanting to be curious. And, you know, you played alongside a, a kid called Jeff Williams. And, uh, you know, Jeff was a letter from his dad pleading me to, yeah. to trial him. Um, you know, and some of those letters, you know, are, are just from parents that have a very overinflated view on their, on their young son. But Bob, yeah, he was very insistent that I should, I should have a look at you. And you're curious, you find out things. And that, was that your moment then that you... But you wouldn't, would you have not played England students before you came on Sorry, to the I, England I, Sevens radar? Yeah, I did. I played English students in my uh, second and third year of uni. But for me, that was like, wow, I've like almost in my head, that was me overachieving. And I remember getting, after my first English students game against Portugal when I came home and I had my English student shirt up on my wall at uni. And I thought, if I never go any further, I, I'm really pleased with where I've got to. And I remember that being a, a thought really clearly in my head. And I was so content at that moment, which is at odds with what a lot of people say you need to progress in professional sport because, you know, a lot of it's about seeing yourself as Olympic champion or whatever and then having the belief that you'll work through that. Um, so, I, yeah, I never... Having that strong self-belief was really never a feature of my, my upbringing um, and actually not for my, much of my career either. I think... What carried me was an immense gratitude for each stage I got to mm. in each level. And that really served me well for a lot of it because, for example, when I finally got my, when I first got my debut for England Sevens, I was nervous. But I was just like, 
this might not ever happen for you again. Like you've done so well to get here kind of thing, just enjoy it. And that was a great, <laughs> a great way for me You're to in enter the present. into it. Yeah, like, it made me very present. Yeah. But w the way I've shifted is that that kind of, potentially you create a ceiling for yourself in that way. And something I've had to foster is a, a self-belief. I think what I was doing is probably subconsciously protecting myself from failing by not aspiring to be any better than the level I was at at those moments. So yes, it was helping me to be present a lot, but you know, would I, if, would I have certainly lasted in the professional game if I hadn't learned to actually believe in my own ability? I still don't have, I think I've always probably come across as being more confident than the way I feel inside. People have often been really taken aback when I've explained, you know, my lack of self-confidence in certain situations, be that, you know, about rugby or other scenarios. And I think that, that again, it comes out of a, a desire to sort of probably project a certain persona, which I now, I'm probably still projecting that persona, but it's authentic because it is actually me because I feel comfortable about it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. So you've got your, you've got your tattoo. Where, where have you got your tattoo? Just under here, just on the ribs, which yeah. I don't recommend. It's incredibly painful. And you're finished now. You're still unpacking by, by the sound of it, really. It's not... You're on, you're on that journey. What, have you got any idea on, on what's next? Do you know what? It's a bit of a... It's a bit of um, an open space all the way to the horizon at the moment, insofar as there's not... I haven't got huge clarity on it. I don't know. I'm trying to start the process by thinking, like, what do I want to do? Um, which I think is probably a good, good place to start. Uh, you know, you, you know, it's like professional sport. We've touched on it. But you get to... I'm 32 now, so you start to think, well, when is the right time for me to stop playing? Um, and you, every player wants that to be the perfect moment, I think. Very rarely is that ever the case, or does that ever present itself. But there are other things I think I'd be interested in doing, but I'm not entirely sure what those look like, <laughs> what those are. I'm really, last year was a godsend insofar as it forced us to look elsewhere, you know, consider what life looks like without rugby. We're kind of thrown in at the deep end in that respect, and that we didn't expect it to be the case. Uh, but it's valuable, you know, and making the most of that as an opportunity has, has sort of served me well now. But I'm not panicking as much as I probably would have been otherwise. Because you had, how do you sit with uncertainty? Well, I think I used to be all right with it. I think I've got worse as I've got older in some respects. Well, you've got in more terms of an impulse. Yeah, when you have a, when you've got a kid as well, you um, have to consider other people just other than yourself. Yeah, um, and I mean, obviously my wife. Professional athletes just can often be selfish, whether they mean to be or not. Yeah, got to be focused on what you're trying to achieve. And it is a it is a career, or being a professional athlete is a life that you have to live uh, with the understanding of your loved ones. So, because you say it is it is selfish insofar as you have to do things, you you're, you have to ask a lot of loved ones to buy into a certain lifestyle as well. Yeah. Um, and for a certain amount of time. Yeah. So, in answer to the question, I don't really know what's what's next. I have been reminded over the last six months of how much I love playing the game. I love training, I love playing, I love the experiences it offers. I love, it's so much opportunity to explore myself and, and to grow and a lot of the things we talked about today I would not have had if I'd gone into a different walk of life, I think. Um, and it will serve you in a role that maybe in the future once, you know, I'm not talking about in the next year or two, but when you 
when you've you've you're sitting in the rear of your middle of playing and you're at an age that that's not realistic anymore there's some pretty strong traits and skills you've learned that you can utilize in all sorts of sectors really well yeah i'd hope so and i think there's likely to be i'd hope some variety in whatever i do next i mm. you know i look you know like what you do that you you do a lot in different uh, environments you work with different types of people different um, walks of life and you know whether that be sport or actually outside of sport as well and I think there's something about that that appeals to me um, Do you, Would you like to stay in professional sport? <laughs> Interestingly the last year has given me an insight into professional sport that I didn't have before and I'm not sure that has enticed me into the <laughs> into the world or not I just I What puts you off? Part of the thing that puts me off is you see the mould that people tend to fit into in certain roles and I can see that I would have certain traits that would be drawn to behaving a certain way that I wouldn't necessarily want to. Hopefully, I think I'm robust enough now to, to avoid those pitfalls, but, but then maybe that means that's not the, the, those aren't the types of job for me. Um, I just think there's a bit of me at the moment that is trying to find clarity on how I feel about professional sport in general. And we've probably not, we could do another lap of the park and not even have space to have this conversation. But... It's a good process to go through, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I did the same when I left England, or left, pushed out, really, of, of England in 2013. I've totally fell out of love with professional sport. I had nothing wanted to do with it, if I'm honest with you. Um, so I think it's, it's natural to do that. It's, there's no ill feeling around of that. It's just where your desires, where you get your feelings of... You know, I think belonging is quite an important thing as well. Yeah. Something that's come up, and again, this is probably another lap of the park that we won't <laughs> be for another time, but you've had your entire, uh, you know, certainly the last decade and probably longer, you've had part of a team, integral, you've been belonging. At one point, you'll jump off that and you won't have it anymore. At some point, it's, it'll hit you. Mm. Well, I think, again, last year, that was the case. I think I had a sense of being divorced from something that I'd been attached to for a long time. Mm. And a part of my, part, you know, a big part of my life. Um, interestingly, and val- what was really valuable when I was going through the big journey about learning about myself, I think I gained a lot of freedom from understanding that, that the rugby was just a part of my life and it wasn't everything. Now, you, you, fall, you kind of fade in and out of being able to hold on to that as a belief because invariably when you spend every waking hour behaving in a way that is going to help you play rugby <laughs> and, and that is kind of the life like you do you, you can't really uh you, you have to be mindful of it to an extent all, all the time you're never totally forgetting that you're a rugby player are you because that's just you it's don't a lifestyle. label yourself as a rugby player and you mentioned quite quite at the start of this that you know if you go onto your instagram or you'll see that you're clearly a rugby player but i go onto your instagram and i don't i see you as an athlete that has a focus on the holistic as well i don't see you as i don't you don't label yourself as a tom mitchell rugby player do you well no no not and i have always had a bit of a reluctance to for that to be the main thing um and i would you know i actually people recently a couple of things i'd sent bios in for for things and I, i look back at one i had from like a few years ago and it's just what I've done in rugby and I was like oh this doesn't really say anything about me really as a person yes there are a couple of significant events in there that that I enjoyed and that were significant in my development but 
yeah, there's got to be some more stuff than just how many tournaments I played and how many points I scored or whatever. So I, I think I've always had a bit of a reluctance for that to just be my thing. But I've certainly, I, I had that at the start of my career and I've got a pretty strong sense of, you know, these things just being labels now. But in the middle of my career, I think I did fall a little bit into the trap of like, oh, this is my thing. So I need to hold on to this really tightly. And actually, as a guiding, talked about guiding principles earlier for myself, but holding things lightly, particularly when it comes to achievements, uh, labels, tags like that and, and roles, I think is really important. You just have to understand that they're like sticky notes that you have them on one minute and actually they might come off the next uh, and just being at peace with that, that you remain regardless. It's a pretty good way to finish this uh, this episode. I think what I also found interesting that part of both of our lives is quite seismic moments has been an Olympic final five years ago and we haven't mentioned it once <laughs> no. at that point. I think I perhaps that reinforces that what you've gone through and what many athletes go through is the journey is the is the key. Not not the not the outcome. And Tommy, look, I'm sorry I've taken you through some pretty marshy and boggy places. I have got wet feet. Which now. I, I do apologise for that. Um but it's been an absolute um on, you know honour to, to to listen to your story and to be so open in your thoughts on leadership and yeah, and the journey that you've taken yourself and others on in this last decade. Uh, thanks for having me. It's really nice to have this conversation with you, bearing in mind that a lot of the stuff we talked about started with a journey a long time ago in rugby that we, well, you helped me start. And I will always be grateful for that, Ben. So, so thank you for having me on today and thank you for that moment and that phone call back in... December 2011. I don't even know if you believed it was me when I phoned you. But no, I didn't. You left me a voicemail, <laughs> yeah. and um, obviously I was I wasn't really on the radar. Well, I didn't think I was on any radar at that point. So I very nearly didn't ring you back, thinking it was some sort of. Don't worry, hoax. that's a norm for me in general <laughs> terms. <laughs> no, it's been a pleasure, mate. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. Holding things lightly. One of Tom's final thoughts on here. It's so easy to become a title. Tom, the professional rugby player, or Osea, the Olympic champion. But those titles come and they go. And as Tom put it so well, just like post-it notes, they can just as easily come off as be attached. By holding those accolades and titles lighter, you can grip harder the core of you that really matters. Why you do what you do, how you can serve others better, and what consistently really matters to you and those you work and live around. I've had a lot of messages about the first part of our chat and I'm sure a lot of what we just shared will resonate with you all again too. Tom was a delight to chat to and to unfurl his thoughts on so many areas that are so vital to creating as good a culture around you as you can. We mentioned and chatted about a few resources and links that we've made sure are in the show notes and you can find those at benryan.co.uk forward slash podcast. Tom can be found on social media at at trmitchell on Instagram and at tbobbymitchell on Twitter, where you can follow him, contact him and see what he's up to. This is probably the bit that you turn off as I finish my outro asking you to leave a review. If you have any time and you want to, then thank you. If you just spread the word on a tweet or a chat, to a mate then that's great too you can find all the shows on the usual platforms including apple podcasts spotify tune in amazon music and google podcasts this has been the ben ryan podcast thank you so much for listening and i look forward to bringing you another great chat next wednesday <laughs>